This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So I interrupted my vacation for this, man. I hope you appreciate this. I was on vacation. I was relaxing. And I, I came back from the pod, Dalton, so... You were you were urging me to come back. You were you you were not threatening to do a solo pod. You should have. I was not. No, I did the same last week. Right now, I was actually just on a ninety-minute call with my boss and just frustrated. Now I had spent money on this call recorder and I can't find it. So we're not going. We're going with uh, with a backup here. But um, I don't know. Let's let's do let's do a quick pod. How are you doing? How's your vacation, man? You told I will. I want to say you told a very funny joke, but you, you claimed you were recording, but you're not a real man enough to really <laughs> record it and no. podcast that joke. Uh, to the airways. I mean, if I were if I were doing like a stand up routine, I would probably tell it and then get canceled. But it, you know, it'd be a stand up routine. This this is a podcast that shows up on RotoWire, and I, I, this is not a great, it's not a fair excuse. But you know, the fact that I have partners at RotoWire and RotoWire, we have deals with ESPN and Yahoo and many other places. I have to, I'll I'll tell it like it is mostly, but I can't I can't go quite as all in that I would if I were just a solo operator where it was sort of like, I, I, there would be no collateral damage basically. You know, like I can't cause collateral damage to my partners. One thing with RotoWire is like, we don't always agree on everything, but um, they're good dudes and it's been a long time we've been together. So I, I try to, even though I try to push it to the edge, I, uh, I usually don't go knowingly. I don't go knowingly over the edge. So if I do go over the edge one day, it'll be an accident. That's all I'm saying. No doubt. And comedy in general right now is uh, obviously tough. I mean, it's a tough scene just just in general. So I hear you, man. So how, how are things going and how's vacation? Uh, vacation's been great. Uh, we went to the beach a bunch. There's almost too much beach. You know, it's like there's only so much sun you can take. I'm more tan than I've ever been in my life. Me too. I'm, I'm like super, I'm like looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, who, who the fuck is this? You know, and, but it's great. You know, I'm not really getting too burnt. It's a little burnt here and there, but mostly just tan. Yeah, I've just noticing my feet. Yeah, I've never really been so so tan either. Um, I, hopefully, that's a good thing with all the vitamin D. But I've been laying out more than ever myself too. So uh, nice. So uh, good, good time. Was it uh, busy or no? Uh, no, the beaches weren't that busy. I mean, some of it was during the week. This is great. There's this beach we go to, and it's like nestled inside this cliff, and it's not very big. And the tide's high; you really can't go up. But so we got there at like four, and it was there was barely any beach. But Heather found this little spot. But I guess in the summer, they open this bar. It's like a tiki bar, but it's kind of upscale. And there's these like old wooden tables. And I'm sitting at a table, like a desk almost. I was like, I should have my laptop here, although it gets sprayed now and then. And you're just looking over the ocean. 
it's like the coolest place. It's like this really cool. I took a couple photos. Maybe I'll, I'll post one later on Twitter. But it's uh, it was chill. You know, I, I spent a lot of time with Sasha because Heather had work, and so I was like spending the whole day with Sasha. And I, I really, I don't know. I feel like I discovered a few things, such as well. You know how I was saying like education in school, it's like it's just kids' storage and they spend the whole day there and they learn a little bit, you know, the math or the language or whatever they're working on, but... Well-received on Twitter, I'm aware well, of your thoughts, yeah. Yes. And yeah. Now, I, I, now I look back at it, it was just so stupid, that response that people had. But anyway, everyone outsources education slash babysitting. I don't even care. I'm not even... Not even get, well, I'll get to the education part, but I just think it's not even, because it isn't the teachers, it's just not possible to teach, is, is what I'm discovering. And there's, this is like a very deep topic, I don't want to ramble too much, just myself, but I, I just started to realize it's not just that you can teach them the math or the English homework or read to them or whatever, and get the, you know, the knowledge a lot faster than sitting in a group setting, but it's that you can't really teach that much. You actually people learn. It's, it's not the teaching that's important, it's the learning that's important. And basically, the kids will learn things if they do things, and mostly we put them in these boxes in these classrooms and we destroy any opportunity they have to learn because they're too busy being taught. And I'll give you an example, and you and I talk a lot about health stuff, and you ask me my opinion on a lot of health stuff, and because I just researched a lot of that shit and done a lot of uh, experiments on myself with that stuff. But I feel like now, in the last six months, you now know a lot more than you did when you were asking me for the last couple of years. Absolutely. Without question, that's true. And I, I've done a deep dive studying you know, during this downtime. I mean, I've looked a lot into my health more than ever before in my life. And it's like embarrassing that I've took so long but, to, uh, to, to address that. But I think the difference is that you're actually doing some of the experiments. See, it's not like it's one thing I can t- tell you about it, and I can like send you links and shit. But it's not until you start intermittent fasting or actually fasting or only eating a certain way or doing it that you actually learn anything. Like you can learn a little yeah. bit from just reading somebody else's stuff, but you, there's nothing you can say about fasting that someone who actually fasts for a week or three days or whatever they're going to learn way more about it by doing it. And I just think that's how kids learn. I was like biking through Lisbon with Sasha the other day. Heather was working. I rent, she, we got her a bike, and she's into it. She's gotten good at switching the gears and everything. And there's a bunch of bike paths in Lisbon. We got to cross streets and stuff. She's pretty good. She knows how to switch the gears, you know, without slowing down when there's like a hill and stuff. And we're just biking all over the city and going through these parks. And I'm like, you lead the way wherever you go. Just you know, pick a pick a path. And like her biking through a, a live city with cars and people and baby carriages and other bikers and scooters, that's like so valuable in terms of just navigating the world. There's just shit like that. This week, I she wanted to go with her friend who was over to get candy, and there's like six blocks away the, the store in this like nice country place we have, and it's totally safe. There's like this rural dirt path, and I was like, all right, here's five euros, go get it. And she just went to the store herself. And got it and came back. She's eight. You know, it's like stuff like that is like night and day learning more than like, and of course, like we learn, we work on like the subjects and stuff, but I just started realizing like you can learn so much more by just doing all these things rather than you sit in front of a, most people that they outsource it to a school where they sit in the classroom or they outsource it to a screen mostly. And it just, they're not learning anything. They're just, they're just 
wasting time. And then as adults, we've learned to waste our time, to bide our time to the next party, to the next event, to the next thing we have to do. And we waste time. We just, in the meantime, we just kind of kill time. Yeah, actually doing something is the best way to learn something. And you'll often arise, come with questions that you never would have. It's just like reading about it, learning that way, unforeseen questions. And that, that makes sense. Um, I guess I'd counter, because I'm kind of struggling internally as far as sending kids back to school. Um, what about um, if your daughter's really looking forward to her friends and talking about that nonstop? So, okay, so Sasha really was looking forward to her friends. And, of course, you've got to hang out with other people and let them play occasionally with friends. Obviously, they need that. But I think one of the reasons they're so keen on their friends being around is that their friends give them their full attention. They can just play for six hours, right? You just do not have the bandwidth to play with your kid for six hours, to give them your attention for that long. And their friends do. And so I don't think they would need to play with their friends as much. It's just that, like, you just don't don't have it in you. You got an hour, hour and a half maybe. And I was thinking about that too because two things. Like, so one of them is like we outsource the schooling because we we're busy. And even if we're not busy, we just don't want to give them the attention that they really require. And we just don't want to do it. It's just too much of a pain in the ass. And I do think that's sort of a connected to us not giving ourselves the attention we need. It's like meditation is hard for people. Right? If you sit down and meditate, your mind's everywhere. You're like, how much time do I have left? You say, I've got to do half an hour. You're just counting it down. Okay, I want to be done with this. It's like you don't give yourself the attention. That's what meditation is. It's just giving yourself the attention, attending on what's actually going on. And and we don't give ourselves the attention, and we don't want to give our kids the attention, so we outsource all that shit. And then their friends, (laughs) whose parents also don't want to give them the attention, they could give each other some attention, and they can play. And they need to play with kids their own age anyway, just for other reasons, just to like figure some certain things out and learn certain things. But... I, I really think like they jones to play with their friends so much because the options with their parents are kind of crap. It's like a screen, which they want, then they get yelled at, and then they got to go do something. It's not that fun for them because if, if you engage with your kid, your kid has a good time, at least typically for me. Like if I'm willing to play chess or stratego for hours and hours and then yeah, yeah, get, yeah, yeah. get in the shitty little pool there and dunk and time her how long she can stay underwater and then i have to try to get around her and she tries to grab me you know all that stuff that like i'm like oh really how long do we have to do this for but if you're just like into it and do it don't they can play with you for six hours they won't miss their friends it's just that you just you're not capable of it and you can still play with your friends outside of school as well right but, so okay so what are you planning on doing then in so September I, I, or August, I have to make this decision in like five weeks. So I don't even know if school's going to start here. It might the Zoom shit is is pointless. I don't want to pay a bunch of money every month for some Zoom shit. I don't know. We might do it anyway for a bit in case it opens. She likes the school. We'd probably send her to school. So I'm a little bit of a, a fraud saying this. Okay, but, right, but, yeah, but, well, but, I said that. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not really sure. I, I we I, we just sort of been like okay talking about this stuff, but. Well, we'll have to like really, we haven't like made an official commitment because the school can't make a commitment to us yet, whether it can really open. But then the other thing is, and the same book I referenced this before, it's called Pattern Language. It's written in 1977. I thought it was written in 1970, but it's 77. It's about like urban design, home design. It's just everything. But it's really a philosophy book about life. And it's just correct about everything. And it's sad that that was written in 1977 and it's only a fringe thing that people don't, it's not commonplace, like all these ideas. But one of them was, uh, you know, city has to have like these distinct subcultures and, you know, marked by boundaries so that each subculture can flourish as itself and people can go in and out of them. 
and not have a situation. But anyway, that's a little sidetrack. But the point is that one of the things he thought was necessary for a city was sort of an educational aspect that wasn't school, but a program where, where kids and teenagers could, you know, go into a shop and watch some person making leather goods or making jewelry or go to the local court and watch court cases and watch what the judge was doing and watch, you know, go to different places of work and either apprentice if they're teenagers or if they're younger, just kind of watch for half an hour, see how something's done. Imagine going to a, you know, a weight training session for a Olympic wrestling, you know, just, you would learn so much just going to one of those things. You'd be like, holy shit, this is what they do. Like the behind the scenes learning what they do. And then as you get to learn some niche job that you never think of too. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be the greatest way to learn for sure. Imagine instead of sitting in class and having a teacher explain to you history or science or something, you went and like watched through a glass, like a lab, you know, how a lab was working or how a courthouse is working or how, and just getting this stuff, you know, all the guys who are like these billionaires, like David Geffen are these dudes. I'm not saying I like that dude, but he was like, a, these guys worked in the mail room, you know, and there was like, Oh, they, they started in the mail room and they, they ended up being billionaire Hollywood moguls. Well, because when you're in the mail room, guys didn't go to college. A lot of them, they, they, you just see how the businesses run from the ground up. You see all the different agents of the people doing this and the people doing that. And this is what he needed to get that. You start to put the pieces together, just observing rather than going to like business school and having a teacher explain it to you, going to law school, you learn from, from doing. Yeah. So anyway, I, 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 I'm not saying that I, the, the reason why I'm being a nutless monkey and not committing to doing this is I don't know how much I have it in me. I mean, I think we all need to have more attention for ourselves and our kids, but I also think that it's not as big of a burden as I'm making it out to be because Sasha's eight and she needs a lot of me or a lot of, you know, a lot of playing and stuff. But as they get to be 10, 11, I think they, if, if you don't destroy it, their curiosity will get them to do all sorts of interesting stuff. I mean, she already wanted to bike through the city with me, but I'd be with her. She's not old enough to go alone. She already, she went to like a surf camp today. I mean, Heather took her there, but like she pretty soon she's going to want like, no, no, I just want to go to the store myself or they're not going to need your, you know, your input quite as much. Yeah. I, I, man, like I said, I'm gonna have this decision in five weeks. I was reading this Swiss doctor had me convinced that, um, that, that kids and asymptomatic people are maybe not contagious. And then my wife sent me a calendar with political article of all this school that got totally infected. And, uh, which is funny because she's the one that's probably going to be, you know, she's the one that has to do more work and I'm the one that's going to be pushing her to stay home more, but maybe we won't even have this decision. I don't know. Colleges as we know it, or have been transformed now with, with online. I mean, what, I mean, I, I don't know, but just hearing my daughter constantly talk basically daily, how much she looks forward to going back is like kind of heartbreaking. Cause I'm in my head like, uh, really? I don't, I don't know if that's the best decision. So it's tough, man. And it's a weird decision that, you know, most generations don't never had to make. Yeah. No, I'm not actually most of them didn't never made it cause there was no school. It's only, yeah. you know, the, the whole school as we know it is just yeah. an industrial revolution relic that was like, Oh, these kids need to work in factories and be part of the workforce. So we need to train them to sit still and do their thing. But before the, I don't know, somewhere in the 19th century, kids worked on the farm. They helped out. They, I don't know what they did exactly, but they didn't go to school like this. It wasn't schools in this sense. They were like tutors for rich people and stuff. But it, I One think, thing I'll say is it's annoying that it's become a full-blown political issue. Just I guess it shouldn't be surprising like everything has. But yeah. now what? Because Trump is pushing for it, now suddenly it's a political issue because the CDC is asking for guidelines. I mean that is just beyond bizarre. Let's just get over this. Yeah, what a nightmare. Yeah, yeah it's almost, I just don't give a fuck. You know? I'm, just, I'm just learning about 
what's working with Sasha, how she responds to different yeah. things and just trying to, you know, and what I can tolerate. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I lose patience sometimes too, but it just opened my eyes. Like she can learn so much more that the potential for kids is so much bigger than putting them in a box. I don't even care if they go to the best school and they go to an Ivy league school and they work for some investment bank or some shit. It's so narrow. They're so, they're not, not just a genius. Like I'm not talking about a prodigy. I'm just talking about you could be a person that really understands how to navigate the world if you just do stuff. And I think the fact that school makes you kill time until you have recess or play a sport or kill time until the weekend to play with your friends mm-hmm. and mostly just idle away time, at least my experience of school growing up, and I went to a really good school as a kid, I still waste time a lot. And I'm like, why would I waste time? Like time's all you got. But you waste time looking forward to something to happen. Yeah. And, and, and because they've destroyed your like normal curious, creative spirit to do everything. And I have everything. I've got, you know, you can buy anything within reason, any kind of video game, not that I would buy a video game. I can learn any computer language if I really want. I'm lazy. I'm trying to learn Python, but I'm Mm -hmm. so painfully slow because I just get distracted. I just don't do it. But there's everything in my fingertips here, everything I need, anything I need. And yet I'm like lazy because I feel like it, they, I just got in the habit of like, Oh, I can watch TV or I can do this. You know, that, that's the kind of thing that the kids, it got outsourced. Your own attention got outsourced. And then you outsource it to the point where you just want to be entertained. And your, your sort of natural child, childlike curiosity has been kind of muted to a large extent. Like you have just a little bit left to learn something new. So, what, okay, so that, that all, I mean, who's going to disagree with that? I mean, I totally am with you, but how do you realistically implement it though? How how do you do that? Getting your kid to do all these hands-on stuff. Well, you just engage them. Like, you know, Heather's done a good job cooking with her. Like Sasha can cook. I mean, it doesn't always come out that great, but she can cook stuff. She can bake stuff and she, she can, you know, grill like uh, bacon in the pan. She knows how to do certain things. And I made beef jerky with her. We sliced it up. She helped me marinate it. And like overnight it was really good. And beef jerky is super easy, by the way. You just marinate it overnight and then uh, lay it out on a parchment paper in your stove and turn it up to like 140 degrees, not too hot, and just let it oh, dry. Oh, you just use your flat out, you don't even have like a dehydrator? Well, it's better. I used to have one of those, but they're a pain in the ass to clean. But uh, yeah, you, you can just use a stove and put parchment down and lay it out there. Dehydrator is probably a little better, but it still works. Just don't cook it. You don't want to cook the meat. You just want to make it, like, you put your hand in it. It doesn't burn. It's like 130, 140, something like that. Anyway, just doing shit with them, letting them help. You know, this book, I read this book last year called, or a couple years ago, The Courage to Be Disliked. And it's, I mentioned it on this podcast. And one of the tenants in it, it's uh, one of the, who's the other psychologist? Anyway, I can't remember the guy's name. It wasn't Freud or Young. There's like a third guy that was, uh, sort of influential in the 20th century, but he's the least of the three. But anyway, his philosophy was basically that he had a lot of different aspects to it, but one of his, the tenets was a fundamental need for people is to feel that they're contributing. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of these riots and people going crazy and society's sucking the money out. There's not good jobs. There's a lot of people out there that don't feel like they can contribute. And it's, it's it really a human need to feel like you're part of something, you're a, you're a contributor to something. And kids, same thing. Like, your kids might be lazy. Like, Sasha's super lazy. But, like, if I give her a task that's cool that she can help out on, she's incredibly excited to do it. She wants to do it. She's the, oh, let me do this. Let me, let me push the buttons on the ATM. Let me do this. Let me do that. So I think just include them in stuff. You know, stuff even when you're sort of cringing, like, ah, she's going to spill it. It's going to be a huge mess. Yeah. I'm going to have to clean up. And everyone's like, no, 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 don't do it. And we do that. But 
the more you can just be like, all right, if it's a mess, it's a mess. Let them, you know, I just let her drive the car. I go to sleep in the back seat. I let her, no, no, there's a limit. No, they ask there's a, a limit. million questions, and that's all. I've always encouraged it. You know, it's never a dumb question. I like the inquisitiveness, but you're right. Yeah, hands on. Yeah, let, let yeah. them do some shit. It just opened my eyes in that book. You know, the way people should just be observing things being done and teaching. The model is like the teacher has the secret, has the formula, and you've got to. If you know the formula, then you've got this. But it's not really what life and learning is about. It's not really like that. There's no person out there that knows it, and you just have to master what they know. So specifically, and then we can move on. Sorry, you're, you're with Sasha. You're taking a wait and see approach, and and if you did well, keep her home, would you teach her yourself, or would you enroll in some like, like you alluded so, to, like some you know, online help? So we're looking for a house in the area that we have this little like shack that we're that we're staying in every other week. And there's like this school, it's like a Waldorf school, it's kind of a hippie school, and it's cheaper than the one in Lisbon, and it's like just about outdoors all the time. They go around and they, you know, look at plants and stuff like that. It's still school, it's still going to have that same like, but it's more like they can just be wild animals, which I think is better than sitting in a classroom. So we would definitely do that if we're out there, but we may not be out there enough. Uh, but if, if it's that Zoom shit, I don't think we're going to do it. There's just no point. There's no reason we we would would have to figure out something like you know get her get a routine going maybe do it with some other families like so we rotate a little bit. There's right. a, there's oh, some, that'd be a good idea. That's there, a good idea. There's a couple that are like you know talking. Cause everyone's talking about this because it's a it's a possibility, right? So we have to be ready for it. And I think if full blown school comes back, we'll probably just send her. Her friends are there, and we'll take a year to figure it out. Uh, and, and we and do. And you just and you just and you just then accept the fact that you will likely get. COVID, or you, is that your... Well, I, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, in Portugal, reportedly, yeah, okay. there's 30,000 okay. 30, cases of COVID, okay, and there's 10 million people. California, in your me. I don't know if you'll get it from your kid. I don't know how contagious is among kids, and you may have already had it, and if, if, you're, if you're lucky, you know, maybe enough people have had it where there'll be some sort of herd of me. I don't, nobody fucking knows. Right. And it's and like some people may not, not may naturally be, you know, can't get it, but I don't right. know who that is, but it's craziness. Uh, yeah. But you got that type A blood, dude, you're in big trouble. Oh, you're right. Yeah. That's not me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, why do you remind me of that? Uh, exactly. You got that. Uh, but, but here's the thing, right? So like nobody fucking knows any of this shit. So I wear a mask when I'm indoors, not my own home, obviously, but like when I'm like in a supermarket or a, a shop, What's that? When you're driving, when you're driving by yourself. Yeah, when I'm driving, I'm mean, I wear a hazmat suit when I'm driving. Uh, these rental cars are disgusting. Uh, but anyway, so no, I mean, you know, so I do the basic thing. I wash my hands when I come home. If I, I try not to touch my face. I'm not shaking people's hands. You know, the fucking basic shit that you do. That's it, right? That's what I'm doing. I mean, everything else. I'm not going on a plane. I'm not going to sporting events. I'm not eating in indoor restaurants unless it's like on the beach with like wide open window. And even then I, it's sort of, I prefer to be outside doing the best I can. That's it. If school is there and it's, yeah, I mean, I could maybe, maybe you're right. It's something to think about, but I was, we were planning to send her back. Not going to worry too much about it among kids. And then the other thing is, yeah, we would do something. And there's like Portuguese families. We sort of know these Americans and these Portuguese. And I'm like, I want her to be at the Portuguese side because A, she'll speak Portuguese all day. And B, it's different culturally, you know, so let her, let her learn something. Sure. So, the, so you just made me think of that. <clears throat> the Niners yesterday offered season ticket holders uh, the option of pushing it forward to next year or their money back. 
And if you push it forward to next year, that'll give you the uh, like seniority if they have like draw it out of a hat in limited capacity this year. But obviously, I'm not interested in doing that. But I was curious what that decision was as other teams trickled in, but they just gave us that option yesterday. So, what do you think? You want to talk a little sports? I know you're the only. You know that Shane Battier is in the fishbowl, but Chris Liss is too good for it. So, uh, I, the, I, Shane Battier, the basketball player. Shane, Shane Battier is in the fishbowl. Ah, he, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, the uh, anyway, that's a, a fun draft um of course i got my guy moster pumped to see him uh, get traded um, <laughs> he won't get and, traded uh, i don't think i don't think so either I, I hope not but um and then yeah the draft order we have our beat chris list baseball uh draft saturday i got the number one pick i guess um yeah i i didn't really know what to do with that and i just let it be one through 12 and i guess i got the one so what, what did you get with that one i got three and i did the same thing i just let it be one through 12 and got three i thought i was gonna take Degrom there but now i'm thinking about it i might take bellinger just because I'm um, basically one is I've looked at some of the drafts and there's good pitchers in the second and third round that I like, especially uh, early third, late second. It's like a good spot for to get those pitchers. So I don't know if I want to take Degrom there, even though I do think he's the best player. It's just relative to the other. You know, it's sort of like taking a quarterback in the first round. It's like, do you really want to do that? You're, there's going to be quarterbacks well, later. Yeah, a couple questions there. Um, I. Uh, First of all, it's, I see that over the last week, it looks like um, on NFBC, Yelich is going one and Acuna two. Interesting. Um, I get that Trout not there. But wh- why do you say DeGrom when the, the changes are adding a DH to him, whereas Cole also gets to face the NL a lot more? It feels like the new rules should separate that even further. When I've heard you even like re- re- respond on the Twitter, too, like saying DeGrom's my number one guy now, that, that seems odd to me. Explain that. Yeah, well, I'm just a little off on Cole because he's switching parks and he's switching teams. You know, when you have the, your first, you know, top five or six pick, seven pick, change is bad, right? Change is great when a guy underperformed and he gets a new new scenery. You're like, oh, it's volatility. I want volatility. Guy's got talent and he's got a new beginning. That's good. But when a guy is the most valuable player in fantasy baseball, you don't want change out of that very cushy pitcher's park uh, and then maybe they had some, who knows if the pitchers were cheating in some way. And then you go to New York, which is a hitter's park, although it's been more neutral, it's a home run park. And then, you know, and then he's also facing the, the NL East and the AL East. The NL East is, you know, the Phillies, the Nats, the Braves. It's, there's good hitting in the NL East besides the Marlins. So, yeah, and I guess facing the National League doesn't matter as much because they right. have the DH. Yeah, exactly. I just said that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, all, all I was saying is, I guess you would you would you, you would have probably liked Degrom more than Cole before the rule changes. Too I did. definitely liked Degrom more than Cole. I actually got Cole in AL Tout as a, I got it was a price and force that I got stuck with, but it was fine. It was a little cheaper than I thought he was going to go for. But I, I'm not against taking Cole either. Bueller, Scherzer, Verlander. Uh, yeah, I like a lot of the Scherzer, uh, but Bueller, I mean, I, I know his projections are slightly lower uh, than the horses, but not only is he in the NL West and just Benjamin Coors, but I mean, all those AL West parks look like really good hitters, pitchers parks if Texas at least becomes neutral now, you know, without the jet stream. So I, I kind of like Dodgers set up like, like Urias, like that guy could be a right. monster too. I mean, my teams, um, my teams would have crushed you. Those, those early teams had all those guys. Urias and I had like I had all these guys although I did have David Price I think in one or two and he's not playing but yeah I don't know I'm not doing a lot of prep I'm just going to look at some lists on Rotowire you know just I know who I liked from preseason I just got to figure out who has COVID that's my biggest thing and tomorrow figure out who has COVID 
uh, and then and, and, the cl- and then what? What avoid them? Well, at least downgrade them a little bit. You know, yeah. okay. just downgrade them a little. Yeah, I mean, I, there's. I'll take a chance on the COVID. You know, late if it's late enough in the draft. I mean, one could even argue you'd rather get it over with. You know what I mean? I mean, well, really, you could. I read something that was like, no, nah, it's not really just a couple of days because it takes a week or two quarantine. They don't want you to work out right away and. You know, especially for a pitcher, they'll get out of shape throwing. It'll set them back a lot. So, you don't want to. You want a starting no, pitcher with COVID. And, yeah, and who knows the long term effects? Uh, Aaron Nola may or may not have it. I know Eduardo Rodriguez has it. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting because I think the actual the return the timeline's quicker than I thought. It's like three days if you're asymptomatic and two negative results, but then the tests are already a, a mess too, or maybe it's five days, but it's not like 15 days or whatever. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's my next question. Is this all for not? Because I've been doing a little research. Um, uh, but is it, is it a joke? Like, I mean, how, how likely is this to even happen to baseball and, and basketball? So many players of, I know you don't follow it much, but a lot of players are expressing their, you know, their concerns and man, thinking about how close basketball players are, if they're not going to uh, basketball, no basketball is, I mean, how, how is it going to happen? Right? No basketball, baseball is way better because, you know, outdoor, outdoor stadiums and, you don't have to get close to people, but basketball is like everyone's sweating on everybody else. If someone has it, you all got it. I mean, you know, you're literally pushing and shoving, you know, pick up basketball. You got everybody's sweat on you. It's just how it is. This one dude, I just thought of this, used to put this like Ben Gay shit, this tiger balm all over his legs. Cause he was like a couple years older than me and I would guard him. He was pretty good. But by the end of the game, my legs would be burning because, you know, I'd crash into his legs enough that the Ben Gay would get on my legs, you know, the, and so I was, I'd be like, ah, oh, man, my legs are on fire now. Dude, put so much of that shit. No doubt. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, and I, and I, and obviously it's going to be more expensive for them than if they just cancel it. If they, if they go to all these, all this trouble and then just, you know, stop midstream. I mean, this could be really bad. I, I yeah, we're all holding our hope for football, but man, baseball and basketball, you think baseball, there's still, still a chance though. I mean, they're planning to play, right? And but who the hell knows? And there's going to be political stuff. What if someone dies? Now, a, a player is probably not going to die, but like, what if one of the managers dies, or one of the coaches, or one of the umps, or someone older, a trainer, or equipment manager? Yeah, are they just going to keep going, or are they going to be like, baseball never should have done this? It's shameful that you tried to force profits over health. You know how it's going to play out. You know, you know how it's going to be on Twitter and on the news. And there's always somebody going to want to make that the thing there's no way they get away with that shit i mean everybody knows right everybody knows there's a risk but if it actually happens i, I don't know if like society's just going to be like okay well we lost a couple of coaches but gotta gotta keep going yeah it, it seems unlikely but um here i am preparing to dominate you in a draft put out a sleepers column uh, some content, but yeah, the future for sports is, and then everything is just remains as cloudy as ever. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm looking forward to dominating you in the baseball draft. That's pretty much all I, all I it got. Should, it should be easy. I'm not barely pre- preparing, but I'll probably crush now. Cause I'm so loose about this. I'm just going to enjoy myself. I'm not really Mike, Mike the mouth is in it. Is he, uh, yeah, we have a bet. We have another side bet. I'll beat him. Even if I don't even, even if I didn't even crack a book and went right now, I'd <laughs> take the test and crush him. That's easy money. But we'll see. You know, last time you were in my draft, I finished 12th out of, what, 2,200 people or something? So it's, uh, I feel pretty confident. And, you know, we pick close to each other, too. It's always fun. So yeah. we'll be, It's, it's going to be more loose, though, the ADP this time. So we've got to talk about uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. So does she have COVID or not? What's the deal? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, no idea. Where she's being held is uh, uh, shockingly, uh, apparently, not the greatest uh, place. And so really, what could go, what could go wrong in that place? Yeah, I know, I know. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What what are the latest updates with her? That's what you're you're thinking. She might have that. Is what you're thinking? I I read that she had COVID somewhere, but I couldn't tell if it was a legit source. Because they got they got to kill her off somehow, right? And, and like they can't do the same thing. They can't just have her. Oh, she right. hanged herself. We, oh my god, the cameras malfunctioned again. It's so amazing. But they don't care. They they might do it. So I don't know. I, I keep waiting to see. Like, what are they going to tell us now? Like, what's the excuse? But the COVID would be perfect. She had COVID. Yeah. She was rushed to the ICU. There'd already been outbreaks at that facility and all that. But yeah, I did. I really, I just read the salacious stuff that was this like her, I guess she had paid all cash where she was staying and, and the person who sold it didn't even know it was her. And then the morning of there were a bunch of helicopters and the neighbors nearly uh, ruined it. But um, yeah, she apparently, apparently she really has a lot of information and is quote unquote willing to give it all over. But I mean, of course, uh, believe that when I see it, but um, yeah, supposedly she, she has all this information and maybe even videos and is willing to talk. I mean, why wouldn't she have a kill switch or whatever they call it where you die and it's not a kill switch? Like a- why was she in the United States? That guy, uh, what's that McAfee guy, the, you know, the virus guy? Yeah, him on a podcast but, but he's, cr- he's crazy, that okay. guy. He's an insane man. I had no idea how entertaining he was. Yeah. He's, they're going to have to make a movie out of him as he yeah. was bragging about. But he hasn't paid taxes in the United States for the last 13 years, so he just got out of Dodge. And, you know, like Polanski, I'm surprised she didn't do the same. Yeah, well, there's a lot of weird stuff, and they fired that prosecutor. We talked about it last podcast, like right, right when this was going down. So, like, what's really happening? I mean, but the, all, I don't like the whole Epstein thing. I, I kind of have this weird feeling he's still alive because how can you, if you're him, not have like somebody that if anything happens to you, that everybody knows that the goods go out. You know, the thing gets published. How could you not have that set up so that the CIA or whoever you're working with? knows that you're untouchable they can't kill you yeah no i guess i get what you're saying it seems all too easy and right, uh, you did say something about when he was carried out right i mean uh, that something was weird with the picture or whatever like it didn't really quite look like him or whatever but you know those things those conspiracy things like yeah. oh look tom hanks's ear is not right did tom hanks make an appearance somewhere recently yeah yeah he's a, yeah he's a, he is in fact apparently right. still alive yeah that's funny no. that is funny but, but if you're involved in this thing and you have the goods on a lot of people, you know that people are going to want to kill you if you get caught. So how could you not have like, oh yeah, and just so you know, I obviously have this set up so that you, know, you guys got to get me out of here. Yeah, I'm just looking it up now. Yeah, there's suicide concerns and uh, the feds are feared that, that she might kill her. Well, you think? Yeah, I, mean, I don't even know if that would be obviously just leaking that out before it happens to make it not. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, obviously the, the, the alternative, her... Her revealing secrets is, is obviously worse than uh, us pointing out how obvious. Uh, right, that's be. exactly right. Like they, like they don't care. They'll just be like, "Yeah, oh, it's so weird. Someone must have come in and killed her when the guards weren't looking, or like we just let the guards go and they killed her. Ah, oh, so weird. Such incompetence of that. I mean, whatever ex- explanation that doesn't make any sense, they want to give. They'll just give it. Like, what, what are we yeah. going to do about it? Yeah, insane. Um, I went in a. What else? You got anything else? Might, I, I'll tell you one something random here. Sorry, okay. non sequitur. Yeah. I got down a rabbit hole yesterday find, trying to see who the real Satoshi was. And I spent an embarrassing amount of time. That was really interesting stories there from Hal Feeney and all, all kinds of characters. And uh, I have some more questions for you about storage, but we can save that for well, afterward. But um, any thoughts on BTC and the, um, the current uh, stock market situation? 
So first off, I've gone down that rabbit only a little bit, but there's obviously the fake Craig Wright total fraud. Obviously not. No, unless, not him. I, unless, I'm actually like uh, 80 total fraud. percent oh, Okay, well, so that guy, unless he's playing the crazy double game where it's him and he's just acting like a total buffoon, lying, you know, so they would never suspect, but I don't think so. He'd have to be such a good actor also, which is, you know, that's not in the skill set necessarily. But I think it's Hal Finney or Nick Zabo. Those are the guys that I thought were the two that everybody thinks is like the most qualified and likely. Is someone else? It is a combo. You're right. No, but it's 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 almost certainly Nick is the guy who at least wrote the white paper or whatever. I'm pretty convinced. And uh, yeah, it's probably some sort of combo. And he even slipped up on a podcast recently and said when he invented Bitcoin and immediately switched to BitGold. But yeah, I think I think you got it. There you go. You didn't go. He spent less time in there. Spoiler alert. But um, yeah. Well, I used to follow that dude on on Twitter a bit. But like Zabo and Hal Finney who died, like those guys had like the, those guys are like kind of geniuses. Like they have the chops in a way to invent something like that. Whereas and he like, lived, Hal Finney lived with like a, a mile away from a guy who happened to be named Satoshi too. But it's, right. and, and they, and they doxed this guy, a Newsweek article doxed him. And he's like, what? Like living in squalor almost. And he's like, basically uh, now I believe he's, they've given him like a million dollars worth of, of Bitcoin since, but made him kind of a minor celebrity. But it's really a wild story about, about, you know, and, it, and would it be good or a bad thing if the inventor came forward? Bad, That's, almost yeah. certainly bad. The fact that nobody, the government can lean on, there's no central genius the way it was done. And oh, it I made me more confident. Yeah, and by the way, uh, like 70% of the code has been rewritten too, by the way. It was right. like, you know, so I mean, that's, but but yes, just the general philosophy behind it made me like it even more, which I know that you've uh, fully endorsed. Yeah. And then the market, like, I follow this guy X Trends on Twitter. You can Google yeah, him. Me too. I mean, you can yeah, Twitter and Google him. First of all, I'd never Google anything. DuckDuckGo, <laughs> but second of all, it's on Twitter. So search for him on Twitter. But this guy, X-Trends, he's this trader and... Paint an optimistic picture. <laughs> yeah, he's basically just like, this is going to go down like nothing you've ever seen. But he's like, it's, gonna, it's only going to be when the, when the bears capitulate. When you're like, are you kidding me? Because every day, and I have some shorts, and I keep being tempted to add them. I added a little bit to them, but I'm not spending any more money because my timing can be wrong. And, you know, there's the old the, the quote that the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. So don't fuck with it too much. They're not shorts, they're puts. I mean, they're, they're shorts, but I'm not like on the hook if it goes up to a million. And you start to be like, maybe this won't go down. Maybe they're going to print this into you know, S&P up to 4,000, 5,000. Maybe Amazon will go up to 4,000. You know, maybe the, the really sick thing, though, is I bought Square because Square is a Bitcoin company. I mean, it, yeah. they, they, you know, and I thought... You know, Jack I, Dorsey, I mean, yeah. Right, so I thought maybe... I want to have some Bitcoin investments that aren't direct, you know, Bitcoin infrastructure investments too. Totally. So I bought a bunch and I bought it at 60 and it went up to like 75, 80. And I was like, oh, this is good. You know, it's the only stock I owned. I was out of the market. I'm like, the market's so overvalued, but I believe in this. And then the crash happened and it went down to 38. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it started going up a little bit. And usually with these crashes, there's like an initial crash and then it goes up to about, you know, the Fibonacci number, like 0.6 of the 60% of the way up. And then it crashes back again. So when it went up, Square went up to about 60 and I bought it at 64 and I just got out at 60. I'm like, you know what? This market's crashing. I'm just going to get out and get my money back. Basically, I lost a little money. What do you think Square is trading at right now? And it's down 3% today. So it was up a little. What do you think it's trading at? I don't know. What is it? I don't know. What? I sold it at 60. This is in April. April, I sold in 60. What do you think it's trading now? 80. 129 after being down 3%. Today. It was up to 132. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Are you effing kidding me with this shit? 
But this stuff's like it's, it was from thirty eight in March to one hundred and thirty, and I think they had a good earnings month or whatever. You know, whatever. But it's like this is just this isn't real life. You know, the economy around us is cratering, and the the market is insane. And and the other quote is the Warren Buffett quote, which is in the short term the market's a voting machine, in the long term it's a weighing machine. But then the counter argument is, well, if the Fed keeps printing, it doesn't really matter. But and then other people said the Fed's not really printing. They're adding bank reserves, and people think the banks can give out this money, but they're really just making loans to already bankrupt companies. And it's just that the Fed's doing that, even though it's not really getting into the economy that much, is making investors think that it's omnipotent, and they're buying, and the second mm-hmm. they realize it's not, it's going to crash. But then there's other people that say, yeah, but that's the feds are only buying bonds right now. Wait till they start buying stock ETFs. They're literally going to take the money and just buy the stocks. So that's totally illegal, but you know, they, the law doesn't matter when you're at this level of corruption already. They, who, who knows? What, they'll figure out some dispensation to right. do it. But if they buy stocks, all bets are off, and that we're you know we're in completely uh, planned economy socialist socialist system for the rich where it's a planned economy where literally they're taking the wealth of the country and buying stocks with it. They haven't done that yet. And some people think they won't. But if they do, so who knows? If they start doing that, I think Bitcoin will go to the moon. Dude, people are talking about it. Celebrities are talking about it. It's getting used in different countries. PayPal made fun of it two years ago. Now they're they're offering it. Um, this is this is happening. I mean, it's, it's but the uh, price uh, is no. very slow. It's really weird. It's just kind of hovering. Well, but what do you mean? But that that's in, in, in what's going on in the world. That should be a, a good. That's all. That's a confidence thing that it didn't didn't crash with, with the rest of the world, isn't it? Well, but the stock market's up, right? So gold is yeah. up. The market's up. There's liquid. So the, the Bitcoin should be up with it. But for some reason, it's not yet. And I don't really know why. Some people are saying that there's a lot of dumping from whales who are trying to buy it lower, and it's a manipulation. These guys see these sort of, this guy, Macroscope, who I also follow, said there's these big, like, sell 850 Bitcoin bluff offers that they remove before the before it's filled. And it's, you know, affecting the markets. People try to front run that and sell. And they're just trying to get in. Who knows? There's all this stuff. This guy, Macroscope guy, thinks that 10 grand is like sort of if it stays there, not just cracks it, but stays there for like a week, that it's going to all hell's going to break loose because that's sort of like the, the number where all the hedge funds and everybody's like, okay, this is, we have to get in. So I don't know, it's something to watch. You know, short term price moves of markets, of Bitcoin, of things like gold, they're just very, very hard in the short term to predict. I, we don't know. But all the case that the, the all the macro case for Bitcoin that people were making before this whole money printing and crash and economic issues, um, this is happening. They said, "Well, if this happens in the next crisis, and then they start printing and then they start doing this." Here's the last thing I'll say though: that the, the whole counter argument to all this stocks, gold, Bitcoin, all going up, is that printing money is inflationary. That we should have inflation. Then you want to own you know, real estate, stocks, Bitcoin, any kind of asset, but. The, the problem is the, the way most money's created these days is from lending. I don't know. I got into a whole thing on Twitter about this, but like if you, bar, if you buy a house for a million bucks, you're probably not paying cash. You're probably putting down like 250 and you're borrowing 750. So the question I asked was, if you put down 250 and borrow 750, where does the bank get that 750? I don't know. Where? It's, it's not from deposits. <laughs> they, they lend out way more than they take in. So basically, when you, when you go get that loan, at least as far as I understand it, you're creating new money. You're, you're creating 750000 that didn't exist. The bank's writing you a check, and now that's in your bank account. But 
and then the person who sold the house had a million dollar asset. Now he's got the money. So he's got the same amount as his house. You've given, you know, you, you paid whatever money you had to pay quarter mil, but that 750 that you now have that buys the house did not exist before you made the loan. So every time people are borrowing to buy stuff, they're creating new money for the economy. The economy's getting more and more debt, and that's inflationary. We're basically printing money for all these purposes. You're promising, you're borrowing against the future. They're saying, in the 30 years, you have to pay it back, but you're getting this money right away. But what happens if people start defaulting on mortgages? Problems. Well, problems, but it's the reverse of that exact process. If, if lending money is creating dollars, defaulting on a mortgage means that asset that the bank had, basically a loan to you, the bank loaned you this money and it can claim on its balance sheet an asset saying $750 bond from, you're basically, when you borrow money, you're basically selling a bond. That's the same thing. Does Mm. that make sense to you? Yeah. Like when you buy a bond, you're buying, you're lending money to somebody. So that bond is an asset. Yeah. It's an IOU. That bond is an asset. So the, so the bank basically has this bond from you. And then when you don't pay it. The bond is worthless. The money's deleted from the system. So think yeah. about how much money is going to be deleted from the system. So, yes, which, which will which will then result in what then? So there's something like 32 percent of people didn't pay their rent on time or something like that, and yeah, many people yeah. didn't pay their mortgages. All of that money. Well, the rent's not you know a loan, but like all of the mortgages that are not paid, that is money. That's bond payments not being made. That's money being deleted from the system. So the Fed is printing, 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 loaning to these companies and putting more money in in the system. At the same time, the defaults are wiping out money from the system. So there's this sort of there's this sort of fight to see where it's going. So that's what some other people think. That there's going to be major deflation, and the smartest people seem to think there's going to be a big deflation, and then the Fed is going to things will crash, and then the Fed is going to print is going to shock the conscience of the, like do something so insane and then the inflation will be out of control and stoppable. But who knows? But I'm just saying that all this stuff is not obvious to me exactly what's going to happen next. Yeah, there's so many variables. I mean, just so many. But yeah, just to, to pile on, I guess I, I think the number I read was six, I'm sorry, 53% of shuttered uh, restaurants are, are going to close permanently. I mean, more than half. I mean, it's, it's a lot. The whole... Uh, imagine all the the buildings that um what was that we we work or whatever they had they just backed out of a ton of building space in san francisco um uh, yeah i don't know the whole economy I, yeah commercial real estate that, malls were already in trouble retail is already in trouble there's gonna be a lot of money deleted a lot of you know loans not paid back so that's deflationary and so there's very yeah i i don't know it, it's a big complex thing but it seems like it, it's just very precarious like i don't feel that comfortable where I'm putting my money. Like I don't, I, I feel like I'm on the alert. I'm not burying my head in the sand. I'm trying to think about it, learn about it, study everything I can, read what I can. But it is a, it is not a simple problem to solve. I would own some Bitcoin. I, I wouldn't, I would own physical gold. We talked about this, but I don't want to go get it. I wouldn't own gold ETFs. I don't think there's any point. And, you know, if I were in the market, some of my friends are in the market. They're like, well, I got out too early. So I, I could have made all this, easy money apparently i didn't know that i was playing defense but if even if i were in the market now i'd have like a stop loss like if it goes down five percent i start selling you just have it so that you're and if it keeps going up okay you keep it and then you raise the it'll be a higher five percent that you that you get out it maybe something like that i don't know i'm not really the one to be taking financial advice from i'm just my advice would be stay alert 
Learn about what's going on. Do not take the system for granted. Don't think, oh, stocks always go up eventually. I'll just keep them in there. You might want to choose to keep them in there, but don't keep them in there because there's some rule of thumb that you just follow. Like, investigate. This is unprecedented times. Yeah, I definitely know less than zero and have no 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 authority to comment, but it seems scary to me to be in the stock market now. Um, what about Kanye West possibly running for president oh. before we go? We got. I couldn't have uh, be remiss not to, to ask you about that. I mean, what's not to like? He, um, he, he, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't even think he's filed the paperwork. But really, there is the narrative now, you know, is that would help uh, Trump re-election if he did indeed uh, try to run for president. Well, the only person running for president right now is Trump. Joe Biden, I, the guy's just disappeared off the face of the earth. And, and that's good. That's a smart strategy because... You know, there are some clips every now and then that still, still manage to pop up that don't, don't paint a flattering... Uh, but it's like, it's like that guy is like, I've never seen the nominee less visible than Biden. I mean, it's just, you barely know he exists. So, I mean, are they really, I mean, it's kind of wild that they're, are they choosing the, the favorite to be the next president? I mean, that's really what's happening with, with the VP situation here. Is that, is that kind of, I mean, what, what, is that what's happening? I think so. I, I don't think Biden is just, he's just an old man who's, you know, he just lost it. It's, it would be like, you know, imagine like a sporting event that you were like starting a 43 year old quarterback who lost it in the second half of last year for your football team. <laughs> no, I'm saying it's like starting a 50. All in on his uh, wide receivers. Yes. Yeah. All in on his cabinet. But, but, it, but if you, his cabinet is good though. His cabinet's no joke, but uh, no, but uh, imagine he, you know, if Brady were 50, you know, or 55 and they were just putting him out there because they were trying to vote on who should be the next quarterback. And all the other quarterbacks, nobody could get behind. So they just were like, all right, Brady's a name. And like the fans were like, yeah, Brady, yeah, he's awesome. And they just voted for him. You know, they didn't love him, but they were like, sure, that guy, yeah, he won a bunch of Super Bowls once. And this is terribly unfair to Brady. I mean, Biden's had a horrible track record of war, Iraq war and crime bill and Anita Hill. And Brady's won six. It's not, this is such an injustice to Brady. And I know Ted Bell will be aghast at the comparison. <laughs> but, the, but the point is that the, it's not 43 year old Brady, it would be 53 year old. Biden is just not, he's not competent to do anything right now. He can't formulate a sentence. I mean, you got to be president of the United States. It's a big job, it's a really big job. You know? Yeah, I know. I know that everyone flubs or whatever. And um, but yeah, he called himself his husband, Joe Biden. No, no, no. no. This is like this is one thing after another. This isn't one isolated misspeak or something. You know, whatever. Everybody does that. This guy is just. I mean, it's obvious. It's a weekend. It's weekend at Bernie's, man. Uh, and mm-hmm. they're just carting this guy around and trying to run out the clock while the COVID is keeping him hidden. I don't know. I don't really know. They're just. They know. They know that this guy is done. This is a very interesting thing. And time is not on his side. You know, it's only July. Still four months. Time is not on his side. So it's a crazy thing. Between the pandemic and uh, our political landscape and um, our financial landscape. uh, But Kanye, Kanye, honestly, I probably would. I'm not not kidding. I I don't know. I said that to Heather. I think I'm going to have to vote for Kanye in this case. She said, oh, no, you haven't looked into Kanye. And I, I I said, you're right. I haven't looked into him. But that I don't care. I don't even care. 
Elon Musk, believe me, he has his problems, but he said, I, I will uh, I will support you. And then someone responded immediately like, you know, he's anti-vaccinating or something. Uh, and then and he's like, is after further review, you and I might differ on a few uh, things more than I originally realized or something. Just basically what Heather warned you. But um, I, yeah. I haven't looked at one thing. I, I did read this Forbes article where he was saying a lot of stuff. Uh, some conspiracy stuff that I was liking. He's going down some crazy. He's like halfway to Tommy G, basically Kanye. That's good. I got. I mean, look, I, you can't vote for Biden. You can't vote for Trump. I don't know. I have to vote for Kanye. I will say that um, when I asked you a couple months ago, you know, like, what is your reasoning? You know, if you, you know, like, what? Why would you not vote for Biden if you're, you know, that's a throwaway vote or whatever? And I will say that that was just insulting in hindsight, and I and I apologize, and I and I get that both sides are. Or, or can be equally, you know, frustrating and corporist. And if, if, what did, what did anything, you say? When did, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. What did? What are you? This, referring? This, I don't know. I sent you, a, I think, a thread. My friend sent you, and I was like, oh. you know, trying to argue, like, you know, you may not like Biden, but he, but you, you got, you know, you're, you, why would you still not vote for that side or whatever? Right. And I asked your opinion on yeah. that or whatever. If you're against Trump, oh, I, okay, now I remember. Yeah. You know the team good basically, right. and you're just like it's, it's like that's insulting to even be asked, and or, or or that's how I feel now that that was insulting to even like to have you like defend that that point of view or whatever. To, yeah, to, to, I, I agree. You know. I mean, I don't feel, I don't care, but it's sort of like this is not it's not persuasive to me. Let's just put it that way. Let's say you really think it's important for Biden to win for God knows what reason, and you want to persuade somebody who's like these fucking clowns. I'm not voting, or I'll vote for Kanye. I'll vote for you know, whoever the Green Party candidate is, and you really want to make the case saying you have to or you owe this or anything. That's a very bad persuasion. That's very childish. Nobody has to do anything. I don't have to go along with this. I, I think there's a very good game theory argument that, that long-term withholding your vote from mediocre candidates Oh, uh, this set up now with just the two parties just is just got to go. I mean, it's right. That, I mean, imagine if the turnout was 100 people. They would wait. Trump won fifty-one to forty-nine. Wait, there's only hundred people voted. It would be like such a repudiation of this whole fucking thing, which is really what needs to happen. So when you totally, vote, when you vote, totally. I mean, or, yes, or like yes. you know, all those people ganged up on Bernie, and then some super PAC gave Elizabeth Warren money to stay in so that Bernie wouldn't win on Super Tuesday. That's the only reason. Even it's you, even, even you were on Twitter. Who knew or was so skeptical? You knew it was happening. I mean, you thought you knew that the the idea of that could possibly happen. You're like, but they're on an oath, whatever. They're count. They're way. They're down forty eight nothing in the right. fourth quarter. But that team won a hundred to forty eight. You right, I mean? they, like, did. Yeah. they did. They did. They, I give them credit. I mean, they. I didn't think they could pull it off without outright like fixing votes, but they had all the other ones give their votes to Biden, basically, and Elizabeth Warren stay. And Elizabeth Warren, I mean, talk about a spoiler. I mean, she took that money. She wasn't getting anywhere with her with her campaign, but she she blocked Bernie. The other three, you know, four, whatever, all combined to to push Biden over. Okay, it was all like. I mean, it was dirty, but it was, it's not like illegal. They didn't cheat anybody. I mean, it was, it's politics, but, and it was a clever strategy. You got to give them credit, but I don't owe my vote to Biden. They, they, he's only there because of this crazy scheme that happened in, in Super Tuesday. And I don't owe my vote to anybody and nobody owns my mental uh, space. Nobody owns my belief system. Nobody owns my voting right. It's so ridiculous that you would put that not you, but that one would position oneself to say, "I know, I own your voting right. I own your vote too. Not just my vote, but I can tell you who to vote for. I can tell you what to do on your vote." No, it doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. So, if you want to persuade somebody, if you really think it's important that Biden wins, and some people do, I don't. But if you think that's important, then you have to persuade them. You have to make a good argument. Trying to shame them for. Uh, 
for not seeing it their way is, is a horrible persuasion. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, it's fairly clear by now that I guess it just doesn't really matter who the president is right now. You know, a lot of people uh, care greatly. A lot of people care greatly on both sides. But, oh, I believe I'm aware of that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They really care. They care a lot. I don't care at all. I really don't care. I mean, that's, you know, but I, I think it's bad and bad, but yeah. some people, yeah. some, some people really care greatly. So yeah. no doubt about that. Uh, that that's yeah. for sure. Nice ending point list. Uh, glad. Thanks for taking the time out of vacation. Uh, good talk. And I uh, can't wait to uh, do some drafting with you Saturday. Um, yeah. Good stuff, man. All right, man.